Hey gang, welcome to episode 53 of the No Persinium podcast, your guide to immersive entertainment, brought to you by our friends at Drafty. I'm your host, Noah Nelson. Coming to you this week from Los Angeles, I'll be talking with Ruth McKee, who is the writer of In Case of Emergency. That's the show that Chalk Repertory Theater is doing right now in L.A. I got to check it out last year at the Without Walls Festival, but it is touring Los Angeles right now. More on that in a moment, but first... Let's talk about our friends at Drafty. Uh, mentioned just a second ago, this month, all of No Persinium. I'm talking your newsletters, I'm talking this show, and you know, from a certain point of view, the reviews I've been putting out. Um, all of that stuff is being sponsored by our, our, our real friends at Drafty. People like to say, they're our friends. No, no, they're, 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 they're our friends. They, they really are. I'm, I'm serious. Go back a couple episodes and listen, you'll, you'll see. I talked about it for a long time, but I just want to tell you about Drafty right now. Drafty is a computer-aided design app built from the ground up for the unique needs of theatrical designers, assistants, and technicians by an actual theatrical designer. Lighting, sound, and projection design are all supported at prices that strike fear into the hearts of the big CAD programs. Find out if Drafty can help you work your magic at drafty-app.com. And again, thanks, Lucas. All right, let's uh, let's do them news and notes, shall we? Like theater news, because let's not talk about real news. You know what week it is. Oh yeah, um, this is a very dance centric one. I just want to point that out. I don't know how it happened. It's just it's the time. It's summer. It's time to dance. There's a dance party in L.A. I wasn't going to do this one. I'll start with L.A. Sure, why not? There's a dance party in L.A. Uh, this Saturday night. There's two dance things this Saturday night. Uh, it's it's called Bambi, a sad girl dance party. I put it in the newsletter. I, I, you, I'll put the art happenings in sometimes when they sound strange enough. I'm probably not going to go because I'm so freaking booked up and fried. But um, maybe I'll sneak over. I don't know. Or you tell me. Tell me about it. Let me know when you guys go to this stuff. I want to hear. I can't get to everything anymore. So please tell me about that. Also here in L.A., also uh, I believe on Saturday night, uh, Heidi Duckler Dance Theater's Night Market. They're down at the Central Produce Market. Uh, it's the stories of the people who work there and the chefs who come through. And there's artists. It's one night only. It's 10 bucks. It's a great chance to go check out Heidi Duckler Dance Theater's work um, in a really, really unique space. So if you like the unique spaces, this is a good one for that uh, let's go over to New York City, also talking dance. Lizay put these up in the latest one. Uh, there's a whole bunch of new stuff, but I want to focus on, there's one piece called Ephemera, and there's another called Ghost Card. Both both are dance pieces. I think both are like public, in public as well. Uh, I know Ghost Card is. I think Ephemera might be probably wrong. I'm wrong about most things. So let's just admit that right off the bat. Um, no matter what people try and tell me, uh, I know the truth. I'm wrong. And I'm probably wrong about Ephemera. Uh, check those out in the newsletter. Um, finally, let's uh, let's let's bring some let's bring some fun uh, some fun news here uh, over over uh, a show that appeared in last year's Orlando Fringe. Uh, the Republic, the people who made that, they've got their new show just about ready to be up and running. They're calling it When Shadows Fall. Uh, they build this as a real-life video game and a, quote, groundbreaking first-person experience, unquote. 
So that means they're not afraid of setting the bar high there because we into the groundbreaking, but all right, you're going to, you're going to do that. You're going to do that. I'm going to send someone. I'm going to send someone. I know who I'm sending. Uh, and we'll find out. We will. We'll find out. Uh, but there is this real Bioshock vibe to what they're doing. And we did do a review of uh, The Republic last year. You can go look it up. I'm sending the same reviewer back. And uh, I'm I'm hoping that the notes were absorbed, if you know what I mean. That's, that's really pretentious of me to say, but I'm a pretentious kind of guy. So I'm just going to say it. I'm hoping that the stuff that Cindy was looking for... Uh, that her issues were addressed because I want this thing to be awesome. I want an excuse to go to Orlando that isn't just the fact that I really want to go back to Disney World and probably go on the Harry Potter stuff uh, over there and compare it to the Harry Potter stuff over here. But it's probably not going to happen for two years because I'm not made of money. And that means this show needs to run for two years. So it better be good. Um, okay. Um, I'm going to let that stand. I'm going to let that stand. I'm not changing that. Um, but something I might change is, you know, we keep on getting, and I even talk about this in this episode, we keep on getting news about cabaret shows that are building themselves as immersive. And as we all know, I like cabaret, but I don't find it particularly immersive. Um, there'll be the environmental stagings and whatnot. Uh, but there's a venue opening in Los Angeles. I think I'm going to sneak over to the preview. I'm going to pay. I'm going to check it out. They're billing it that way. They did not invite me. So I'll be trespassing, as it were, bringing our issues to their door. And I think I'm going to check it out. And it might wind up being really good. I hope it's really good as a cabaret show. And I'm even hoping that it might really be immersive. And I am looking at stuff like, you know, the Great Comet um, show in New York and a lot of these these shows that are are, are mixing this world um, with our world a little bit, meaning the, the actual immersive world. And here's what I want to know. I, I want to know from you guys and gals and, and those who don't identify either way. Um, I want to know if you would be interested in that sort of stuff being in the fun nights out section of the newsletter. Uh, I mentioned that because that's part of the reason why we established it, because some things don't just fit in like the snowball party doesn't here in L.A. doesn't really fit in to the immersive theater stuff necessarily. And and uh, Boana Novik's um, blind date experience is an improv show that's site specific. It's a fun night out, but, you know, it's it's not necessarily like this is this is the work. Um, so we, ha we have this, we have, we have a populist entertainment side to us. We do. I enjoy things. It's hard to believe. No, it's not hard to believe. I enjoy things too much. I enjoy a lot of stuff. Um, what I want to know is, is do all of you enjoy it? Um, if you do holler at us in all the different ways, if you feel strongly that you don't want that stuff cluttering up the newsletter, that's the other side of my personality. Um, let me know as well. If you don't care either way, stay silent. We know how that works out. Okay. Um, that's that. I'm recording this on June 24th. Put the pieces together. Um, let's see. They've got cabaret ambient pieces. In the fun. I'm looking at the notes. Uh, fun night out section. Oh yeah. Cool. Um, here's, here's fun. Uh, we got two new Patreon backers. What, what? Super excited about that because I was worried everyone was going to leave. 
not that that nervousness came through at all two episodes ago. Uh, first up was Davi Figueredo. Davi, I hope I pronounced both of your names properly. I'm terrible at pronouncing names. I can't even pronounce my dentist's names right. Uh, my, my endodontist corrected me right before he gave me a root canal. Luckily for the other guy, because if it was for him, I probably wouldn't be here right now. Uh, so thank you, Davi, for jumping on. Also want to thank John Butcher, who jumped in at the $5 level. Ding, 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 ding. We got a live one. Um, and I also had a great talk with John yesterday. We met up in Silver Lake. Uh, he's working on some stuff, and we talked about some things um, that are not directly related. And uh, I know he listens to the show. So thank you, John. That was an excellent conversation, and I look forward to having more. Um, and now I've told the whole planet, so I'm now beholden to do that. Gosh, maybe I should tell everybody I'm trying to lose weight. And then we pull. No, I better not do that. Okay. No, I just did. Crap. Um, enough about me. I was always worried I was going to turn this into like the Mark Marin section of the show, and I did. And I'm sorry. Um, that's the Patreon stuff. Hey, let's get into the interview. Ruth McKee is a playwright. She's a great play playwright. She's a friend of Zay's, so you know she's cool, right? Like, that's how I determine. I know I'm cool because I'm a friend of Zay's, so there we go. Um, yeah, but, but it's true. Um, sorry, it's early, and I, the coffee is just kicking in, and maybe sort of the pain meds. Um, writing for Site Specific is one of the things we talk about. We talk about how her writing process is grounded in places, right? So this is, this is a great conversation about, about the artistic process. We also talk about how the way we talk about all this stuff helps shape the work. That's pretty exciting. And we just, we just had a really enjoyable time. Um, this, is, this is a great, great talk. Uh, I'm excited for you guys to be able to hear it. I'm excited for those of you who are in LA to be able to go check out In Case of Emergency, which is the new site-specific piece that Chakrap has, that Ruth wrote. Uh, it's running this weekend and next in Pasadena. It already passed through Montrose and Atwater Village. Uh, it takes place in a garage. You're gonna hear the whole pitch in a second, so let's just get to that interview. Well, I guess let's start with, let's start with um, the current work that Chalk sure. is putting out. So give us the elevator pitch there, and then we'll, the sure. rest of the show's about, you know, Absolutely. your process and you and all that stuff. Uh, so right now, uh, Chalk Rep has a show running called In Case of Emergency, which I wrote, and it's directed by Dina Selenow and um, starring Amy Ellenberger, Emma Zakes Green, and Daniel Rubiano, who are fantastic. Uh, it all takes place in a garage of a private home. So the concept, as I... Um, as I conceived it, is that it, it takes advantage of the natural proscenium that is a garage, and so it's curtain up on um, on the show, and it all takes place, continuous action, in one night of the life of a woman who has stocked her garage to the gills with every supply that one might need in the event of an emergency. Um, and it sort of takes place on a night where... Um, there is a real emergency in the city, and there's a personal emergency at home, and it, and her preparedness is tested. Now, you guys premiered this, if memory serves, at the Without Walls Festival yes, last year. we did. Um, but how long, how long were you working on it before then? Uh, I was, like, uh, yeah, was the, seed? the seed of it, I started writing it probably two years before that, so um, I spent... I actually, 
um, was at a point where I really needed to write a new play. So I sent an email out to a bunch of friends and I was like, hey, did, can we all meet once a week for 10 weeks and, um, you know, keep ourselves accountable? Mm. And like, who, who's got it? Who needs to, to jam out a, a rough draft or something? So we actually met in my living room uh, once a week for, for 10 or 12 weeks and we all like jammed out rough drafts of plays. So that yeah. was the very first draft. And then we did another 12 weeks of rewrite of a rewriting um, process um, in the spring of that year. So then, then I had a pretty good rough draft by the end of that, um, and then in, and then workshopped that, you know, readings here and there with friends, getting feedback from directors for another year after that. So, well, and that and that read write, the rewrite re and read write that that was. <laughs> That was not just you, but like everybody in the group was doing yeah. pieces. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We all like um, it was a fantastic group of writers, and we all um, the idea was that you put into it was this accountability thing. So you put in two hundred dollars at the beginning, and um, if you didn't finish your what your stated goals, you lost your money. Oh my goodness! Yeah, money. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, that like. It, <laughs> Auntie, wow. So we all put our money into this jar, and the jar was sitting there every week. And it was like, if you don't... Did it just get divided up amongst everyone yeah, else? Yeah, who finished, oh. yeah. But does it... Wait, so but someone could start gaming that system, right? Like It was, it was, it was, it was a loose agreement among friends. And we did, we did end up not taking anyone's money, but... Right. Um, and just letting everyone have their money back. But I, I could see someone being greedy though, and like finding ways to like, okay, oh, could you watch my kids? And like, oh yeah, like you need to. <laughs> so just like calling up emergencies. No, no, no. We, uh, we we decided that the leftover money would be would go towards snacks. Oh, okay. Yeah, like yeah. if anyone lost, not, not, not like like you got to pocket everyone's like money. The difference. Although yeah. there's a play in that right there, right? You know, like yeah. Some there's there's some dirtiness. It's funny that God for some reason that makes me think of. I can't remember. There's a technical term for it, but I was re- when I was reading Roy Choi, uh, who's the Kogi truck mm-hmm. guy, and he was yeah. he was talking about like the way his parents started their family restaurant. Mm-hmm. There's a thing in the Korean community where like everyone like puts into a pot of money, and then the community as a whole decides like, okay, we're gonna uh, bankroll we're gonna invest you. In this, yeah, yeah, and so and it it, just, it makes a lot of sense. It's like it's smarter than the lottery, you know, yeah. by far, and it's in some. And it's, I think it's, there's a lot of traditional communities, you know, that, that have that. It's one yeah. of the things that's sort of broken down in America, this idea of communal risk, you know, but also shared investment. Right. This know. was more of based on, like, there are those, you know, there are all kinds of apps you can you can sign on where you're like, if you don't complete your, your writing goal, then, you know, a donation of automatically get sent to a, a candidate that you don't agree with or something <gasps> like that yeah that oh my god yeah <laughs> wow wow so it's more dealing with that kind of like um i need to look into those apps because yeah. <laughs> famously i i for very very for 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 job reasons i don't talk politics yeah uh publicly but like let me tell you that would be very effective with me yeah <laughs> like wait who gets 50 to, oh my god yeah. 500 yeah, words, 500 exactly. words a day, 500 words a day, 1,000 words a day, 10,000 words a day, fine, 10, five novels in a week, let's do this. <laughs> um, but like the, okay, so. So that was one, that was, that was how, the process. Where the, the process. Yeah. And that was basically a framework that I set up for myself because I knew I needed to write a new play and I knew I needed um, a support, you know, system for it to get, yeah. get my draft done. So um, why this idea? Why, why, the, why the emergency as a theme? Um, well, I had been thinking a lot 
about I'm not a very anxious person um, which is rare for a creative person um, I think a, a many of the people that I interact with on a daily basis are very anxious um, I'd say that's, that's fair that's fair yeah <laughs> so I wanted to explore that um, you know and I was sort of with the question about myself is like, why why am I not anxious why don't I worry more mm. you know and heading down into exploring myself about like, well, what does that come from? And I think it comes from, I grew up, um, I, well, I grew up overseas, um, you know, spent a good chunk of my childhood in, in Bangladesh and in Kenya. Mm. Um, and, um, I was surrounded by, you know, horrible things (laughs) happening, you know, just, Mm. um, and so my level of expectation for, for things going well, I think is not as high as the average American, you know, my level of expectation that like things will, you know, and, and my parents were very, very open about like how awful the world was, you know, and that as a, as a young child, I was sure we were going to be destroyed in nuclear Holocaust. And, you know, so it's like now, I think we all, we, we kind of all were right. Like that, right. That trauma, that trauma stays. I, yeah, the second you talk about the boom, like 15 things fired off all at once. Right. Yeah. Right. Most of them look like mushroom clouds. So we have in the, in the play, it's, it's really the exploration of the relationship between two sisters. One of who who had a shared event. Um, their mother was killed in a car crash when they were younger. And they, the older sister was not there. Mm. Um, and the older sister has become this incredibly anxious person who's trying to control everything in her environment. And the younger sister was there and already had the worst possible thing happen to her. Yeah. And, and she, um, so she has a completely different approach to life and where she's just like, you know what? I don't need to be prepared things are going to go bad any second everything's going to fall apart so why bother yeah. why bother preparing i'm just going to like wander through my life yeah. and they're both uh, they're both wrong and they're both right and it's you know it's really about that exploring um i was really interested in exploring what is the function of anxiety in our society and in mm. ourselves like in our lives is it useful is yeah. anxiety is worrying useful <laughs> i mean ultimately that's the, the question the play asks yeah and uh, that's and it's a it's a relevant to my life for mm-hmm. certain it's like because it's it's funny it's like certain kinds of that that anxiety around i think the reason why i don't get worked up about terrorism in the same way as some other folks is is i think because of growing up under the threat of when you're a child, mm-hmm. you're a child, children in the '80s, probably. I don't know. I, you're probably, you're not I think too, we're about the same age. Yeah. Roughly the same age. Growing up with the idea of like, oh, it's the day, the day after, and red dawn, and like mm-hmm. nukes are gonna fall, and like you're you're six years old, and they're giving you duck and cover drills, and then if you're a Californian, on top of that, you're getting earthquake drills, right. and basically you're told you're gonna either die in a fiery nuclear holocaust, or the earth is gonna open up and right. swallow you and take you down, and so. So political violence at a war scale and great disasters don't phase me. It's right. like, if I die in the big one, I die in the big one. I was born in California. That's my birthright. It'll be an honor. <laughs> and if the nukes come, okay, I processed that trauma a long time ago. I feel like I let that go at the fall of the Soviet Union. Yeah. You know, maybe it's up a little bit more with 
Putin being the weirdo that he is. Um, that I'm comfortable saying. Uh, but the other stuff, it it just feels, I don't know, like I, I, I don't, I, yeah, I just don't, I don't, I don't get anxious about that. I get anxious about the personal. Yes, exactly, exactly. And so the character in the play, Meredith, who who's the anxious one and who's who's the prepper and has filled her garage full of stuff, she's very, you know, she, it's, she has this global thing. And but as as we sort of unpeel back the layers of what's going on, it is a personal thing. Yeah. It is it is an attempt to keep her sister safe, mm-hmm. and ultimately that is. Um, the thing that she's trying to do is like her her mother died, her sister almost died. She feels like she should have been there. So this is all, this is all really for her sister. Um, so that's sort of I've revealed all the <laughs> points of the play. But <laughs> you broke it all down. It's true. <laughs> I guess there's a spoiler warning. It's, it's still wait, 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 wait. it's 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 still great to see. Yeah, talking no, about no, the no, emotional it's... journey of the play. There's a, still a lot of plot stuff that happens. That oh I haven't yeah, talked about. yeah. No, it's, <laughs> it, there's a, there's a lot of fun, and I can imagine. And, mm. and ha- well, has it. Have you guys changed it at all since San Diego? Yeah, or? we have. Um, the big things I the big thing I learned in San Diego was that it was a little too long, so I'd made some some pretty major cuts, mm. um, and that was you know it was a hundred degrees in San Diego that weekend. It was crazy hot yeah. out, um, so that really helped me to figure out when it was too long. <laughs> it's like, no one wants to be out here yeah. in this 100 degree weather. Yeah. Uh, you can see them fading. Um, and uh, then the other thing was, I did a, a pretty big tweak to the ending of the play. Um, there was sort of a, a character moment, which never quite worked, that um, sort of, uh, without without creating a spoiler, I, um, okay. yeah. I, I finessed and I think works better now. So Cool, yeah. very, very cool. Um, let's, let's talk about, let's talk about working site specific. Mm-hmm. Now it's, I, th- I think I've told you this before and I may have mentioned it on the show before once, but I've never mentioned it on the show before to you, which is that in, in as much as going to New York and seeing the immersive pieces there led to the newsletter and led to everything else, it was it was seeing the piece you wrote that takes that took place at uh, I think at the at the page oh or, or at the Natural History Museum the one about mm-hmm. the mural yeah uh, okay. that was at the um, yeah that was at the page at the, page. the mural but weirdly enough I saw it up at the black box at oh Cal yeah Arts yeah because of, of Sissa because yeah. I was visiting Zay yeah you know, our our mutual friend and the co-host of the show and it was at that point that. I mean, I was able to imagine what it would look like mm-hmm. there, even though it was like taken out of the context. And I was yeah. like, oh, site specific is a thing that people do in theater and not just in in dance. And like, this is right. it. And I started like imagining like what it would be like. And I was like, oh. And I was impressed with that one at like how well it worked out of the context. I was like, that was a solid piece of work because it's still working even outside the context. Yeah. But then I was able to imagine what it would have been like to have been in the actual space with the thing itself. Yeah. So, this is all a preamble to one saying, like, in some ways, this is all your fault. <laughs> Yay. Um, much as, like it is all Zay's fault, because <laughs> it wouldn't have been up there. But also to ask you about this this whole idea of working in terms of site-specific or site-responsive. Mm-hmm. Because, like, 
the garage acts as a natural proscenium. You know, we're in the driveway watching yeah. what's going on in there. But it is really inside yeah. the actual space. And yeah. so I suppose each garage is different. So, like, the director's got to like kind of adjust things a, a tiny yeah. bit just in terms of depth. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's been a, a bit of a challenge for an, on this run for our set designer because he has mm. to rebuild this giant wall of boxes in slightly different ways for each place. But yeah. he's having fun. Yeah. Um, but but for you, your own process, like what this approach, what's attractive about working in, in site specific as yeah. opposed to just being like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna mount it up in a three quarters thrust. It is it is really interesting because I feel in some ways that I have been working site specifically for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, my the reason that you know chalk has produced so many of my pieces and that I. Um, that my work works so well in this form, um, if I do say so myself, is that I uh, th- this this way of working, this way of thinking about space is been, is is really natural to me, and it's mm. really um, what I love about theater. Um, I had way before um, you know when I look back at the plays that I wrote in undergrad, um, when I, I was already thinking about set I was already thinking about okay how do I create it what unit set what what interesting setting um, could I create for this play and one of my, my my thesis play from undergrad was a play called long-term parking which was all set in a parking lot and booth um, at an airport terminal and it was this drama between three characters at an airport terminal park long-term parking lot in um, Saskatoon. Um, and it was sort of about, you know, the, the title is the metaphor, right? It's, it's about <clears throat> these people who are parked here long term and watching people take off and come back and take off and come back. And meanwhile, they never go anywhere. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of that Godot. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that play could work site specifically very well. Right. Yeah. And that was I was not thinking site specifically at all. I was just thinking about um, how setting inspires uh, story. And yeah. so I would say that almost all of my plays are inspired in some way from setting and setting is the first thing that I need to figure out, you know, in the way that some, some writers need to figure out their theme or their characters or their plot. I need to figure out as a writer what my setting is, um, before I can really feel like I have a play and then the characters, uh, populate that world as opposed to the other way around. Yeah. Um, you know, there may be some exceptions, but, but really that has been a pretty, uh, pretty deeply ingrained part of my work from the beginning. Well, and there's, there's something I think underneath that idea that, you know, we as people are reflections of the world that we live in. Yes. And as theater people, we often think in terms of character and agency and those sort of things leading first and... And you could almost say it's like the human hubris of like, oh, human being really matters. And I, I protagonist in my own life, I'm going to like move mountains and shove rocks around. And mm-hmm. it's like those mountains and rocks have been here for a very long time. That building, you know, this apartment building has been here longer than me. Uh, it'll probably outlive me as well, unless the great fire comes. Um, and and the, the subtle ways in which the design of the world around us influences mm-hmm. us. Yeah. Uh, really... I mean, it, it, it's on a subconscious level. It, every, you know, the world itself is always uh, 
the invisible character mm-hmm. in, like in any great piece. And I, now I'm thinking about like you know the the big the great Hollywood franchises or like the the mega structures of of entertainment. It's right. like we talk about world building. Yes. It's like it's those worlds that we want to inhabit. So the right. characters are ap- either avatars or secondary worlds, but oh, that world is so amazing. And it's like, well, because like there's there's all this history locked inside those. Right. And I think there are there are plays, there are very, you know, big budget or really inventive designy plays that create physical worlds that are spectacular mm. um, with on a theater stage. But it does take a ton of money, a ton of inventiveness to create that kind of world on a theater stage. Yeah. And so when we started working with Chalk, it was like, well, why we live in this incredible, diverse, vibrant city with so many interesting spaces. Why don't we start with those instead of trying to build something on a theater space? On a th- in a theater stage indoors where no Los Angelinos want to go anyway. You know, like, why not, um, why not take advantage? And, you know, to go back to the Tar Pits Museum for, as a, an example, I mean, the first time that I visited the Page Museum, I was like, this is just one of the most interesting, weird places in Los Angeles. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got, it's, it's a museum to 1977. Yeah. It is... A museum to the tarpets themselves, but it is also um, it has not been updated since it was built. So it's a museum to that time, yeah. and that that mural that um, that I wrote the piece in front of it was just, I mean that that mural really speaks to me as a piece of art on its own. It is so 1970s, and it says so much about like what we thought about evolution and the progress of humanity in the 70s. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's just a fantastic work. And um, so then to get to actually write a play about that mural in front of that mural, yeah, I'm exactly like you were saying before. Like, you could you could take that, that short play outside of that space, but why not do it there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What so that, that's a that one's a really great example. Mm-hmm. So, did you, when you guys went in, did everyone sort of like go about and you know, pick which yeah. room they wanted to deal with? Yeah, we basically divided the, the, the museum is kind of a circle. Mm-hmm. So we divided it into five quadrants and we said, okay, you can have the, you know, the evolution mural quadrant or the tar puller experience quadrant or the, the mastodon skeleton. There were um, three, there were three very, very successful plays in front of the dire wolf skull wall, which is another like iconic Tarpets yeah. Museum place and it's been I haven't um, I gotta admit even though I've been back here for like six years I haven't, <laughs> I haven't been back since I was a kid yeah my earliest Los Angeles memory was of that museum yeah like so it's the Tarpets when you said the Tarpol experience like oh I remember that yeah you know? and, I'm, and I've walked around the outside so like and I've smelled the glory of the Tarpets yeah. still but yeah like I haven't I haven't been back inside this is making me want to go back inside yeah it's really fascinating it, it doesn't take long to explore it oh either. no it's small yeah it's, it's small, really small museum I mean when you're when you're five it takes forever yeah but, like, but they still have like the animatronic saber-tooth tiger like, not tiger animatronic saber-tooth cat that they're oh, wow. very particular at the museum that it is not a tiger it's a cat um, <laughs> that that, uh, that roars at you and you know all that nice oh 70 stuff. Oh my God. Okay, yeah, yeah. All right, sold, sold, sold. <laughs> Nothing else. Nothing else. I got to get back there. Yeah. Um, so, so did you guys have to... Did you, I know with the Flash festivals, you usually 
there's like multiple plays. So yeah. Like, like so, everyone got to like pitch on what they wanted, or like exactly everyone just, everyone just got what they wanted. Yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty much. We pick the playwrights first. Um, we for the fla- for our flash festivals, which we do every two years, um, we pick fifteen playwrights. And we, the first thing, the very th- first thing we do, we say, don't, don't write a word mm-hmm. before you've seen the space. Mm-hmm. And then we take them on a tour of the space. Um, and then we ask them to, um, we tell them, like, these are the basic quadrants of the space. And then we, you know, ask them to, to pick. Um, and we do five plays a week for three weeks. So three people can pick each each of the given spaces right so um and then um we basically do it first come first served oh wow so if somebody is late getting around to can't make up their mind or misses the tour they might get stuck with a space they might they didn't quite want (laughs) but uh but usually there's a couple of playwrights who are like eh give me anything yeah give me what like they want they want the randomness yeah um and that randomness inspires something in them so they so there's always a couple people like that and we challenges deadlines exactly yeah no i know the type uh really well um when when you when you approach the work that way, what is it that you're looking for in a space? Mm. When and and it's because I, so I, the flash the flash festivals are great in that you know you've got like okay we're reckoning with this building yeah uh, I'm wondering if part of what you your process that is also like all right we're because I know chalk like tries to find a space tries to find spaces like they'll often pick a play and then like okay, we we have an idea to like we want to do this in this kind of space yeah but then there's always that game of like okay who's got a space we can do something in sure and then can we match a play to that yeah so when you're looking at a space as a playwright what 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 are you looking for well as a playwright I should I would say. You know, writing a play takes a couple, well, writing writing the short plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a different answer for Flash Festival versus In Case of Emergency. Okay, give me both. So, me okay, both. so for um, for In Case of Emergency, what I was looking for when I started writing the play was, okay, I need to find a space that we don't yet have, but I know could find, right? Because right. it's like I we and what and for cheap or free. Right? right, so it's like, okay, a garage. We have not done a, a play in a garage. People will probably lend us their garages. A lot of people have empty garages. I bet we can find one. You know, so it's like it felt safe to write that play. Whereas, you know, I could write a play that was set, you know, in a. Um, I'm trying to think, like, in a cheese shop, and then never find a cheese shop to put it in, and then the play never gets done. Right, right? so it's that. That, you know, just as a random example. Um, so it's like it takes a couple of years to write the play. Over the course of those years, I hope to find the space at the same time. Um, so I didn't want to get too specific right. about, or well, not too too niche, you know, of a space. Yeah. If a space were offered to me, um, and they said, "Okay, you can use this anytime," and I'm like, "Great!" In two years, when my play is ready. Yeah. <laughs> um, that uh, can I still use that space? Then I might start writing the play. Um, the with the flash festivals, what we're looking for is something pretty different, which is we're looking for a space that's big enough that can inspire many, many different plays, right. and that has multiple uses and multiple, um, uh, you know, and, and many that may have some public areas, and and that isn't just 
doesn't just lend itself to the same idea over and over again. Um, so, for example, two years ago we did uh, the or yeah last fall of 2014 we did um, the Flash Festival in Eighth and Hope, the luxury high rise downtown. Yeah, and um, and then that one we were like. Well, first of all, they came to us, which was a miracle. We were looking and looking for a space, and they um, appeared in my email inbox one day. Um, and yeah, yeah, they were like, "Hey, would you? We have a brand new building, and we're trying to fill it with art. Um, would you like to do a play here?" And, and we like, were like, "Okay, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, we would." Um, so How that many apartments do we get to go into? Exactly. Really? Okay. What else? Other space you have? Yeah. You got a pool? Oh, there's a rooftop deck. Okay, let's roll. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and part of the it worked out well in that moment, but part of the reason we got access to so much of the building was that it hadn't. It was just just starting right. to fill with tenants. Yeah. So they're basically like, if you can get it together in the next two months, then you can you, you can have. Free reign. Yeah. Like, okay, great. We will. Yeah. yeah. Um, so um, with that space, it was like, okay, we have a building, and within that building, there are going to be so many stories. There are going to be furnished apartments, unfurnished apartments. They're going to be yeah, rooftop deck. You know, so it has within it lots of different smaller spaces. I guess. Yeah. So that's. Um, yeah, I, I think I. I don't know if I answered your. Question. No, no. Yeah, no. You did. You did. Um, what is it about what I mean in some ways I feel like we've sort of touched on it I mean like we, we're, 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 there's a lot of the same wavelength here but what is it about working in this form as opposed to a traditional mm-hmm. form like you were talking about you know space yeah and I think that's something really interesting because it's been coming up a lot for me when thinking both about immersive theater thinking about the way VR works mm-hmm. in terms of that 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 added dimension of bodies in space mm-hmm. and, and as a theater person always being attracted to not just watching the dynamics on a screen of actors performing you know with each other which which is amazing and i and i think i think it's easier to fall in the trap of of thinking that like oh you know uh a proscenium show is less than an immersive right. show, or like a film is less than a piece of theater, and it's like it's different, yeah. different. But there's this, for me, there's this thing about theater. I always want theater to have that spatial dimension. So yes. when I go and see a piece of theater that feels like it could be a sitcom pilot, I just want to tear my hair out because it's not. It's not delivering on the promise of we're breathing the same air. Yeah. So yeah, I, and I, I sort of wonder. Yeah. And I think that is something that in a chakra up show you are always, you are always breathing the same air as these people. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they are, um, and that is the thing that that I look for in a theater piece, and it just always comes down to intimacy for me. Mm. And then it's about so there are these bodies in space. I would like them to be in the same space as I am I don't you know I've been to see Broadway shows where there's like the, I mean in the rear mezzanine and there's this tiny person up there and he's telling a very personal story and I'm not connecting to it because oh God, yeah. he's way over there yeah. and it's like yeah uh, um in that case I would prefer the film version where I can see the close-up you know and so um for me it really does become about actually bringing bodies into the physical space where this story actually unfolds and there's something really 
magical about that of like you you don't even need to ask people to suspend their disbelief they're actually yeah. the I don't ask my you know my play uh, in case of emergency really asks very little of the audience in terms of suspension of disbelief yeah you you can sit there and watch these people and they do really look like they're having a fight in their garage yeah. you know you can imagine for the version I saw in San Diego, you can imagine that you just walk down the street yeah. and they just happen to like have the garage door open and this stuff was just taking place and they're they they're ignoring the neighbors. The neighbors mm-hmm. are gawking and like they're so wrapped up in their own business that like they're not noticing that the neighbors yeah. are gawking. I've seen that kind of stuff in real life. So yeah. like, you know, it's 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 easy to to see. I just I saw a show last week that was that was site adaptive and um it was interesting because sometimes, like, the, the conceit, it was over at Chloe's. I don't know if you've been to Chloe's mm-hmm. and the Golden Road Brewery. So Chloe's at Golden Road. Golden Road Brewery. Yeah, you know, I know, you know where it okay. is. Right on the river there. So, like, they've got a little tiny hidden pub, mm-hmm. almost speakeasy style, behind the bar mm-hmm. called Chloe's. And it looks like a, a like a beer house or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, a 1970s, talk about the 70s. It looks like someone's 1970s recreation of, like, a German, like, you know, in cool. on the inside, and yeah. there's multiple rooms in there. There's and so it's it's a it's a party space that they, yeah. they rent out, and uh, the Speakeasy Society. And like, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, didn't you guys rehearse? Yeah, we did part at, of it. Yeah, yeah Dina Selenow and Emma Zakes Green, who are in our um, uh, company of In Case of Emergency, went to CalArts with those yeah. guys. So there's a lot of overlap there. Yeah. Yeah. So In Case of Emergency was like uh, rehearsed in their yeah in their, in, the, in their rehearsal space. It was also at their house. Yeah. Uh, a couple of their houses. So. Um, Matt was just building a deck last week. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, there's, and I missed coffee with him. So Matt, if you're listening, again, really sorry about missing coffee. Here, I've apologized publicly for that one. Um, the, uh, but, uh, so Chloe's, they've done a couple pieces in Chloe's, uh, and we've moved around in that space. This was very much, uh, there's a main room, and the conceit was that it was open mic night. Mm-hmm. And then it was an adaptation of an indie comedy or, David Cross was in it. It's mm-hmm. a comedy um, from a couple of years ago called uh, uh, "It's a Disaster." Okay. And what was interesting was like about sixty percent of it totally worked as like, oh yeah, I could I could buy into this. And sometimes they'd be interacting with us, and then other times because it was an adaptation of a film, there'd be the intimate scenes, and they'd be like just playing them out amongst us. And it was stuff that, like, okay, no, we really shouldn't be mm. seeing this yeah. in the context. So it did this weird thing where, like, sometimes it was like, the wall is down. Literally, right. come with me. I need you to, oh, I want you to help me with this thing. And then, yeah. like, oh, and you actually do help with them for a second. And you're there and you're, you're, you're interacting. And then two minutes later, a conversation's going on that none of us should be privy to. Right. Uh, and this, this, this sort of... The question of who you are as an audience member. Because yeah. I think that that is the big thing that we grapple with. It's like, who, if, if the audience members are in the room with the show, then who are they? Yeah. Or are they not there? Yeah. Like, are they there or are they not there? They can't. And they can be, and they can be not there. They can be not there. Yeah. And in case of emergency, they're not there. Yeah. Um, and even in like Sleep No More, like the masks yeah. make you not there. And then selectively, they'll decide, you know, that you're there or whatnot. But yeah. you have the status of a ghost. Yeah. You know? But 
But you have to set the rules. Yeah. And um, Lady Windermere's fan, which yeah. talk rep does, there's yeah. a specific moment where some of the people are, in fact, there. Yeah. But it makes complete <laughs> sense in the context. Yeah, like, it's like, oh, this is the party scene. At the party scene, the audience is there. Because we're extras. We're, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then we go back to the, in the intimate scene, it's back to more of a, a traditional play. But it is it is a really challenging thing, and it's, it's why um, I have written so many plays that Chalk Rep has done and and that why we and we do these flash festivals and we haven't produced the work of that many other um uh, contemporary playwrights or that we haven't produced that many other new plays because it is it has been a real challenge to find existing texts that really um grapple with the needs of a site-specific production and we have found that when you shoehorn uh a text that is not quite designed to be site-specific into a site-specific frame, the audience notices these things. They notice the seams. They notice the moments where you're like, wait a second, wait, now we're now we're outside now we're inside yeah. but but we didn't go outside so how yeah. are we outside you know like yeah. because you're when you set up the rules that this is being treated literally this space being treated literally and then you don't treat it literally it's always a thing yeah. so when it's interesting it's always a debate within a company members of chalk of like when we find a play that we love and we all love it and we love it and we love it and we're like can what are our rules can this work yeah um that it's you know we and we have endless endless debates <laughs> about about whether a specific play that we love is is meant to be to to work this way and we have we have set up at least some flexibility for ourselves in that our our um mission and our tagline is classical and contemporary plays in unconventional spaces exactly so that we're working in 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 unconventional spaces and not traditionally theatrical spaces but that doesn't mean that we're always um going to be taking them literally yeah but that's one of the things that i like about what you guys do is is that is that you've you've staked out that piece of territory as as the declaration of this is where we're experimenting yeah we're, draw, we're drawing a circle around this and like you know, sometimes it's going to be with literal. Chalk. With uh-huh. chalk, right? Sometimes it's going to be literal. <laughs> it's when you guys do the Caucasian chalk circle, and chalk rough does a site yeah, specific Caucasian chalk no. circle, is when, is when it gets, then it's just like dragging it in its own tail. Let's not do that. Yeah. I mean... That it, plays it, too long. I love yeah. it, but it's too long. Yeah. Brecht, Brecht, I mean... Oh, God, I'm going to go on a break. Uh, <laughs> no, go on a break. Stay, stay where you are. <laughs> it's, it'd be interesting for someone to tackle it. Okay, I just done. Not that one necessarily. Maybe but all. But um, uh. there, said my piece. Uh, there, because the there needs to be the experimentation, mm-hmm. right? It's like there's there's this continuum, right? right. What I get excited about is the continuum, mm-hmm. you know. And so, like, I'll go to I'll go see like a living room piece, and that someone does, and you know, maybe like three quarters of it is something like I really dig, and one quarter of it something I don't dig. But if it's if it's firmly playing in this in the space and mm-hmm. playing with the ideas then like I'm, I'm glad I went yeah and I'm happy and I'm even happy to go back right mm-hmm. um if I go somewhere and someone's just using uh the, the classical thing for me is like if I go somewhere and someone threw around the term immersive and it's just a piece of cabaret I'm like it's a cabaret show right you know and I might love cabaret show but like please or or you go or you go to like someone's built a traditional proscenium space in like a warehouse somewhere, right. you know, and maybe it's the most be- maybe it's the most beautiful 
weird folk opera thing I might ever see, but you drop the I word or you even drop the site specific word and I'm like, but you could have stayed just in a black box. Right. You just happen to be using a, a carpet warehouse. factory yeah. or a warehouse, right? Yeah. You know? Um it's it's the plasticity of how is the space informing the mm-hmm. action? What's the audience's relationship to the action? Yeah. How are these how are these bodies in space communicating with each other, with the space? And with us, and that's exactly the question that we ask ourselves when yeah. when we're when we're looking for a space. It's like, if if not literal, um, if if not a literal space for the play, then how is the play? What are the metaphorical implications, and what are the thematic mm. implications of putting this play in this space? Um, how does what are the larger resonances that it creates? Yeah. Um, but it is, uh, I was going to say about what we do, um, the classical and contemporary plays in unconventional spaces, is that um, we do throw in plays there too. So that, um, and I think that's really important and distinguishes us a little bit from some of the other companies that are um, doing uh, the open framework, is that we really like plays. Like we, yeah. we all of our works are in some ways narrative driven and we're not trying to throw that part away. Yeah. Um, and that's really deep in all of us at Chalk that we, we love plays, we love stories, we love stories told through dialogue spoken by actors. Yeah. Um, and so that you know that when you come see a Chalk show, you're going to see, a, 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 you're going to come to an interesting space that will um, speak to the play in some um, way that hopefully elevates both the play and the space and you're going to see a play. Yeah. Um, and, and the thing that's valuable in my eyes, looking at the, looking at the, the whole of the open frame mm-hmm. world, is it gives the ability to really think about the, the intimacy and the, the, the nature of the acting work. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's right. striking this balance between uh, a naturalistic theater Work or even a, a non-naturalistic tone. The one I saw a piece recently. It wasn't you guys, but I saw a piece recently that didn't manage. It was it was Cowboy Cologne, which is the the Hellfresh Theater folks over in Culver. Mm-hmm. They, they they were in the Bay Area and I think in Philadelphia or Pittsburgh. I can't remember right now. East Coast, Pennsylvania, for certain. Uh, all those p words. Sorry, guys. Um, they the tone was not naturalism. Mm-hmm. It was very uh, Beckettian, even mm-hmm. uh, the play and the and the acting though it. It wasn't, as I said in my review, I hate to quote myself, guys, I'm pretentious, but I was trying to get to the point in the review of saying it wasn't that weird cartoonish improv hash of reality that people will do. Like, you know yeah. you know what I mean. Like, you'll go to a show and people are like, they're playing up here, da 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 yeah. you know? And like, for a comedy, it's like, this is going to be a weird comedy, so I'm going to exchange. Yeah. And you're like, oh God, uh, it's like first yeah. year of college all over again. Yeah. Um, and it was still weird and not natural, but but the staging was natural enough. But in the performing, just hit this weird kind of tone. And I was like, oh, this is great because it's this needle drop that I've never seen before. But I, I think back to the Chalk Rep Show uh, production of um, uh, Fool for Love mm-hmm. and just how goddamn intense <laughs> that piece is. Yeah. Because we're like, we are trapped in the room and it lends itself so well. It's set in a motel room. And yeah. Like, and, but like, and I've seen that done in like small black box yeah. theaters, but it was like a step tighter yeah. in. 
And that's so thrilling to see folks who have the theater training but who are working in film and television yeah. and they can bring that level of focus and, and the, the intimacy of if I had shoved a camera in their face and yet their whole being is engaged. Yeah. And when I go see your guys' work and it's firing all those cylinders that way, like I sit there going like, oh God, this is, this is what VR cinema has to be. Yes, that's right. It's what it has to be. It's, there's no choice. It's mm-hmm. got to be like that. It needs to feel like that's a human being having a real moment in space five feet away from me. Yeah. And like, they're just open to me. Yeah. Like they don't need to acknowledge me, but they are emotionally available to me mm-hmm. in, in a, in a totally true way. And yeah. it's only by virtue of me not being engaged in the scene with my own agenda that I'm able to see what's really going on. Right. Right. If I was in the scene with my own agenda, I'd be interpreting it. But my distance gives me that skeleton key. And it's not edited. So, like, if I want to, like, track back and just, what's Vanya doing, for yeah. instance? Yeah. You know, like in Uncle Vanya, I can just focus on what Vanya's doing. I can just focus. And that's the advantage of, of theater. Yeah. You know, is that I'm my own. Yeah. You're, yes. And of uh, VR cinema, probably. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so that level of work uh, that you guys get into, uh, I think, is invaluable yeah and like, i wish more people were were paying attention on on that side of things mm-hmm. um sorry sometimes I'm like overly yeah i feel like overly positive it's like my job is good i, I ripped into some stuff recently so that's fine like i, I had my one my one angry review of the year it's okay of my it's now. good that you're i mean you're such a, a cheerleader for this whole community and yeah. the and you were going back to definitions that you were talking about a couple minutes ago that I found your definitions incredibly helpful. The ones that mm. you put on the website where oh. it was like, oh, here, this is what immersive theater is. This is what, you know, sa- clockwork, Sam, like all these terms. And I was like, oh, yay. Oh, someone made definitions. <gasps> and now we can talk to each other. I'm like within our company, we talk and it's like, okay, well, but, but no, this is what we, what site responsive is. And this is what site specific is. So what are we, you know? So it's really, oh my God. it's been really helpful. That's good to know. Like I, I, cause I, people don't know what yeah. these terms mean and they throw yeah. them around. Um, marketing people love to throw them Yes. Around. Marketing people love, <sighs> um, all of these terms because they sound really, um, cool and outside and all, all of them mean that you're outside of the box in some way, but, um, but in what way? And there are specific ways. And immersive, you know, and I've, and I've watched people, you know, with the, with the, the key I word itself, I've seen people argue, I've seen straight play people argue, well, all the work I do is immersive because it's emotionally engaging. What you're talking about is interactive. And I sit there and go like, no, interactive means that the audience has actual agency beyond moving the camera. Yeah. Immersive means it's 360. It's all freaking around me. Right. And there is something about the interiority of it. Yeah. But like, look, uh, uh, I was just getting into an argument with some folks online about VR. Argument. Some people are being like really harsh. And I'm, I'm always, I, my instinct I have a very Clintonian instinct to find consensus, right? You know, coming up in the 90s, like, consensus, consensus, let's find consensus here. Mm-hmm. Bill Clinton, Clintonian. Yeah. Um, uh, my interest in doing that definitional work was sort of, one, I, I observed uh, the, the transmedia world, which is, mm-hmm. for those, a lot of you do know, for those who don't know, it's just like, 
how to tell stories across multiple platforms or how to, or an alternate definition is how to take a bunch of stories that take place on different platforms and wheel them into one grander Mm -hmm. whole. And people in that community will argue endlessly about those two things and fight each other to the death. And I've watched friendships break apart of it. And yeah. I came out of that community as a, as a journalist and as an observer and as a community organizer. And there, you sliding farther and farther into this, which felt more and more like coming back to my first love yeah. and my degree. And and saying, I'm not going to let that happen yeah. here. And it's pretentious of me to stand and be like, oh, no, stake in the ground and mercy I'm gonna make, this. I'm going to make definitions. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to let them argue. I'm going to like put it, and you can argue with me, but I will find some way to like bend it back on you. And But it's this this needed sense of it's what's, that idea that like what's within um, and the way like a novel can connect to that, you know, a song can connect to that. All those things is, yeah. is true. Like we, you know, each form has its particular skill set. What is interesting to me about this particular iteration of theater, like in this open frame space, we everyone is playing, I will not say we because I don't make this stuff, uh, everyone's playing with the relation of the audience to the space yeah. and the performers. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that's most right. common. And it's it, it's never a static go sit down in this these risers mm-hmm. and stay here and watch this and that is all that's going to occur like on this flat mm-hmm. frame there's always in this devised space yeah. it's it's got to be here we're in a real space you have yeah. a relationship you have a relationship to a garage right you may be seated in a chair but you know what a garage is this is a real garage and you're put into this relationship yeah. to the space and you're outside and you're in the elements and you're hearing fire trucks and you're hearing dog people often ask us well what do you do if there's a fire truck or a barking dog or i'm like well that's part that's yeah. our sound design what yeah. what do you mean what yeah. do we do that's, do we, that's part great of it. yeah yeah we it's encourage like, it totally it's like yay you know (laughs) like it adds that extra it's verisimilitude right yeah there's so much production value yes involved in insight specific work well i mean and that's that's the amazing thing when we did um so our production at the page museum was so successful that they invited us to do uh production at the big museum at the the natural history museum of la county for their centennial and i wrote a short piece for that um one as well and I wrote this play that was set um the idea with with that piece is that we had four plays in four different time periods of um LA of the museum's history Mm. so but because the museum had these four distinct um cycles of construction and so my play was set in uh 1929 in the African Mammal Hall at the Natural History Museum which is one of those like dark diorama room beautifully beautifully lit and painted dioramas in this dark cavernous room and um you know it was an interesting room to grapple with because the acoustics were terrible Mm. so you had to pick a small area and bring the audience up close even though there's you have this giant um room and you would think oh i'm gonna use all of this it's like well no you have to pick you have to get the audience really close to the actors so they can hear them. Yeah. Um, and then, um, but so I, I sort of, I picked one uh, diorama to be the backdrop for this conversation between two scientists who 
had worked at the museum in the 20s and I based it on real, a real relationship and a real um, uh, some real people and um, and I just you know watching that play watching that every night it was just like I I could never in my wildest dreams have a set this beautiful. Yeah. Like there's no amount of fundraising <laughs> that could ever have created a set this beautiful. This is these are the actual original 1920s dioramas. Yeah. And we were performing in front of them. Yeah. And like there's something that I mean, it was a good play. I, I like that. I like the play I wrote. But there's something that that just naturally elevating of the entire experience when you have when you have that happening. Here are these actors playing people who built dioramas like this, talking about the dioramas. Yeah. And here's the actual diorama. Not a, not a, a replica of yeah. it. Well, that's, that's when you get into like the anal retentive version of site specific. Right. Like, this is, this is a play <laughs> about this space, about the people who are here, like very specific. Like it belongs, it's, it's almost like having a time machine or like That's, a ghost viewer. I mean, pers- yeah. on a personal level, that is the aspect of, of the work with, that I've done with Chalk over the past eight years that has really gotten me excited. Mm. It's like, is the ways that I've been able to learn about LA history mm. and write about specific, um, or start thinking about specific characters and specific places and really unfolding their stories um, that... That just for me personally, that's that's where I've gotten. Like it's it's it really fires me up. Fantastic. I would love to keep talking, but you've got to get to yeah, to a reading of a, reading. Uh, of a play that Chuck Rep is putting on this afternoon. Yes. Yeah. So we're gonna let you go. Thank and, you. And uh, this is fantastic. Yeah. All right. Once again, want to thank Ruth McKee for being our guest on the show here today. Uh, to find In Case of Emergency and check out the work that Chalk Rep does, go to chalkrep.com. And again, thanks to John Butcher and Davi Figurito. I forgot that right. Um, for being our Patreon backers. It, it, it embarrasses me. If I, I'm, just, I'm pre-embarrassed. I'm sure I butchered that. So I'm sorry. You guys mean so much. You really do. Like I'm not even I'm like I, I see the note come up in the inbox and I'm like, oh my god, someone likes us. Um, it keeps us going. It does, not just financially, but emotionally as well. And some di- some weeks that's really required. All right, uh, so big thanks to you guys. Thanks to all the Patreon backers. You guys are the best. Um, you believe in us. You really, really believe in us. That I just said that. Um, it's uh, my brain's not working yet. I'm doing. I am doing this in the morning as opposed to doing it at night, which is the smarter way to do it. But I was watching Twitter results from the whole England thing instead. So, meh. Um, big also thanks to Lukash. Lukash. <laughs> I'm a mess. Lucas Kresh, who is the mastermind of Drafty. Drafty is for you if you are designing lighting or projection or sound and you want a tool that's just focused on that. Uh, it is really cool. Lucas is one of us. Um, we're one of him. We're all one is what I'm trying to say. It's like the matrix of leadership in Transformers. And you open that sucker up and inside where the crystals and all the powers that like, you know, destroy Unicron are supposed to be, you find drafty-app.com. All right. I don't think he was expecting that to be one of the, one of the bumpers. Um, I'm probably going to get a note. Hey, you want to tell me that I need to pull it together before I do this show? Well, you can tell me at... 
uh, nopresinium.com where you find links to everything, including our Twitter, at No Persinium, hashtag Nelson Put It Together, uh, at Noah J. Nelson, hashtag No Really Put It Pull It Together. Can't even say pull it together right. Or you can email us at no underscore proscenium at outlook.com. No need for hashtags, because who hashtags their emails? This guy. Um, actually, I used to, but that's another story. Um, Patreon, the Patreon, all oh, those Patreon backers. You want to be one? You want to be thanked on the show? You want to you wanna hear your name get butchered by a madman? Um, great. You go to patreon.com slash no proscenium. Um, you can also write a little note saying, do not spend my money on coffee. That's probably a good idea. Um, and then uh, if you want to read the reviews, oh, and we've been reviewing lately. Whoo, baby, we've been reviewing lately. Medium.com slash no dash proscenium. That's where you find the latest review stuff. Hey, there's um, there's shows are coming. And you know what happens when there's shows. I go to them. And if you go to them too, well then... I'll see you at the show.